So over the last couple of months of recording the show, Mark's and mine, Alexa, has chimed in on episodes for various reasons. So it will pass comment on something someone says. Or last week, or no, on the Predator episode where Mark was choking and about to die, uh, Alexa basically asked if he was okay and did he need assistance. (laughs) (laughs) So so I've come up with an idea to keep Alexa out of our episodes. I'm actually going to welcome Alexa to the show and I'm going to give her a chance to say her piece and then I'm going to switch her off. So let's start with, I'll start with me. Alexa, roast me. I'm sorry you got offended that one time you were treated the way you treat everyone all the time. What? <laughs> Sounds more like a life lesson than a roast. <laughs> I think it was. Uh, Alexa, <laughs> roast Mark. I'm jealous of people who don't know you. <laughs> I know you. Alexa, you know nothing. <laughs> right, one more. Alexa, roast me. I have heels higher than your standards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if she's talking about your movie today, she's not far wrong, is she? <laughs> Before you forget, you want to die tonight? The cheaper, nastier, the better for me. Would you have stayed after this? Sorry, man, I was completely off guard there. He's in his coffin. He's the undead. This was the best day of the film. This is not the last time someone's going to steal your man. Yeah, Mark's not a nice guy. I just he didn't notice this scene. It looks like he's got an extra leg. Yeah, I've got nothing. I've literally got nothing here. Surely that'd be even worse. More listeners we have, the worse that's going to be. Yeah, but I would just get a new phone. Oh, I tell a lie, actually. Yeah, because we used to have um, teletext. Art the Clown makes Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees look like pussies. I can only assume that this was due to budgetary reasons and they couldn't afford enough extras. Are you going to have Buster Rhymes in your list of characters? Mate, I can't believe you don't know Idle Hands. I'm going to ram my foot down this fucking front. <laughs> it was awesome. It fucking wasn't <laughs> awesome. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the You Run Podcast Horror Movie Review. Fully interactive review show. My name is Scott. And my name is Mark. And we are your host each week as we take you through the movies you have selected to review. Um, we get asked for a lot of movies and we get asked for how do people know what the upcoming movies were? And I mentioned this on news, but I know not everyone who listens to this show listens to news. You're bad people. You need to go listen to news as well. It's out on a Friday. Um, you can find out what we've got coming in the polls by going to the sinister um, So this is Tasha who's been on the show before, and this is her website where she shares horror content of everybody, be it Mark's reviews or anything I ask her to share or anything anyone else wants to get involved with the site. And on there, you can see every new release we have planned, some special bonus episodes that have not been announced and will not be announced until the week before, but they're on there with dates now. So you can go and have a look. There's a couple of really special ones on there. Um, And also you can see what movies are going to be in the polls on a Monday on Instagram. So that's the sinister scoop.com. So go and do that and go and have a look. Although we do change things up quite regularly. (laughs) That might not be set in stone. (laughs) Funnily enough, after news, Tasha Messerby's like, you don't need to apologise for for alterations. It's like, "Ah, I think I probably do. (laughs) I mean, already this episode alone is a perfect example of how we like to change things up because we were not supposed to be doing Black Fern this evening. No, we weren't. And we're going to get to that in a minute. And I'm going to tell everyone why we 
booted the shit out of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and why it will never appear on the show. <laughs> Horrible people. Anyway, um, you can get involved in the show. So you pick the movies. You do that on our Instagram stories every Monday. Um, you can also get involved in lots of other ways. And we've got lots of other shows as well. So we've got YouTube. Uh, we've got Horror Movie News, which comes out on a Friday, which I mentioned earlier. And also True Crime, which is very relevant to today's episode. Um, you can also call the show. And you can do that on our website, yourunpodcast.com, or by sending me an audio voice note on Instagram. Now, for those of you who do follow us on Instagram, you know that me and Mark unanimously kicked a movie off the show, which we've never done before. I had lots of people message me, is this because it's a bad movie and you know no one's going to listen? No. (laughs) Have you not seen some of this stuff we've done in the past? (laughs) Well, we will literally review the worst trash in the world without any remorse whatsoever. And if five people listen to it, that's fine. Um, It actually got cancelled after I I had an altercation with a member of the crew of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey on Twitter. Um, I'm not sure if this qualifies as a meme to make you mad, but it's it's pretty close because it made one of the production staff of Winnie the Pooh pretty fucking mad. Um, So I posted a picture of, you know, they're doing the I Know What You Did Last Summer uh, reboot, requel, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we don't know an awful lot about it yet, but either way, it's not going to be great. Um, so I posted a picture basically saying, yet another cash grab. This is crap. Why are they doing this? It's trash. There's nothing. Oh, there's it was no- about riding the tailcoats of Scream, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Did. And th- there's no point in rebooting something that nobody wants to see. All you're trying to do is just cash in off of a name. There's nothing new here. Um, I got a very sarcastic reply uh, from someone I didn't know who it was. And they put, wait, are you telling me movies are made to make money? And I replied, kind of ignoring the fact that he was being incredibly sarcastic. I was like, I do understand that, but there's a big difference between making a movie that people want to enjoy versus picking a property that everyone likes and loves and then stamping it with the biggest pile of trash and just just to make money. This exchange went back and forth for quite a while. And this guy got really stroppy and annoyed. And like, I basically, I called, I called the, um, I called the TV sequel to, I know what you did last summer, trash. And he hit me with, I'll be sure to ask next time whether a movie is trash before I enjoy it or not. And at this point, I'd already said to him, look, people could like what they like. This is my opinion. I get it. You don't agree, but hey, whatever. Um, He then said, nothing should be called trash, and he's happy to come on the show and discuss it. To which I went, no, no, look, I'm sorry, we've argued the toss on here, and I don't think you'd be good to have you on the show, because I'm basically going to end up calling you a nasty name. (laughs) And that that was the end of it. Um, It wasn't until a little bit later, I went back and I was reading other comments, and I just clicked on his profile. Um, This is the guy who created the score for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Yes. And I think he took it personally when I said that I, there's nothing I can stand less than someone cashing in on an already well-established IP with something that's not up to standard just to make money. It's, and this was before the release of the film as well. It was like he was in pre-anticipating backlash. He was arguing with people before <laughs> before people even had the opportunity to discuss it with them. Yeah, and I, I said to you, I screenshotted you the the messages 
And I said, do we keep it on the show? And you were like, nah, fuck this guy. Yeah, fuck him, man. And not just that, though. It wasn't just his approach. He was extremely rude about it as well. <laughs> he, he was rude all the way through. And he's like, but well, I can come on your show and discuss it. I was like, no. And I didn't know who he was at the time. I was like, no. And even if I had known, it wouldn't have changed the outcome. Um, so that, everybody, is why Winnie the Pooh is not on the show. No, but on an also side note, Skelly has seen this and said it's the most god-awful piece of shit she's ever experienced. (laughs) And I don't doubt that for a single second. Um, With that out of the way, cheer us up, Mark. Who are we following this week? Recommended account of the week. So this week's recommended account is... uh, I'm just going to spell it out for you because I can't probably pronounce that. It's... T-A-P-R-E-D-R-U-M and to predum to predum to predum drum <laughs> have you just had some sort of stroke <laughs> I think I may be doing trying to read this ta pre drum to predum there we go and what did to predrum do to pre-drum is it's more of an aesthetically pleasing account than anything else it takes um screenshots from famous scenes throughout horror films and through horror cinema and basically just converts them into black and white and i'm sim i'm dumbing this down a lot and making it sound like a lot less important than it actually is but i could just sit and look at this profile for hours it's really 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 is a beautiful account to sit and scroll through so you've got obviously most iconic scenes from like ash um, evil dead scenes you've got romero stuff you've got and obviously these are all like date relevant as well so on valentine's day they did stuff from the film valentine but it's just really really clever and it's it's a simple premise but it it's just very aesthetically pleasing to to look at so hmm. i bring this to your attention because i think everybody else would enjoy it as much as i do um and not just that though but it also like it reminds you of films like oh what's what is that from i've seen that scene and i can't for the life of me think where it's from and then all of a sudden the colour comes flashing back to your eyes. Like, ah, that's where it's from. That's really cool. Um, so, again, it's Ta Pre Drum. And I really, really apologise to this account for butchering their name because they're really, really good. So I think you should all go and check them out um, and give them a follow and a like. And as always, if you do go and you do go and check out their content, be sure to let them know that the You Run podcast sent you. Yeah, yeah. As always, mate, do, please do that because I know some of you have done it in the past and you've messaged creators and said you run podcast sent me to you and i've had one or two of those creators reach out and say thank you so it, it's good because then that gets us talking to those creators as well and it builds more of a community of the show so if you yeah. do go and follow please say hello from us exactly and one thing this horror community in general does pride itself on is the community feeling that everybody has we all get involved and support each other and share each other and one way of doing that is by letting other people know where the support's coming from. Um, yeah. That helps us out. It helps them out. And we can all just hold hands in a field in a circle and sing happy songs together. <laughs> like Midsummer. Midsummer. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, this week, we've replaced Winnie the Pooh with a listener request. Um, so we took many listener requests and then we polled them all against each other. And the movie that won killed everything. I mean, literally 75 to 80% of the vote every single time. Um, we had some th- great films in that as well, didn't we? Yeah, some really good films. Um, the winning movie was picked by Skellington fan, uh, who Mark mentioned a minute ago, who's the home of horror and Skellington, fa- Skellington? Jack Skellington content. Um, yes. Go and follow her on Instagram. She's a wonderful, wonderful person and a brilliant account as well. Um, 
Have you ever wondered what would happen if Stephen King had a son who was obsessed with true crime and his father's books, in particular, It and The Shining? Have you then considered what would happen if this son went on to write a short story based on his loves of Pennywise, The Shining and true crime? Could you fathom what would happen even further down the line if that got adapted into a horror movie directed by Scott Derrickson and starring Ethan Hawke? Well, that happened. And they called it the black phone. They should have called it don't copy my homework. (laughs) I'll be home in the morning. Where are you going? I'm staying over at Susie's tonight. What's new? The flyer. The paper's calling the grabber. I wish you wouldn't call him that. You don't actually believe that story, do you? Because he can't hear you. And he doesn't really take kids that safe. Goof. Well, isn't that just peachy king? You need some help? You see that? Yeah. <laughs> Would you hand me my hat? Yes, sir. I am a part time magician. Are those black balloons in there? Would you like to see a magic trick? I have an announcement to make. One of our students, Finney Blake, was abducted. What if I could help the police find Finny? Doesn't work. Not since I was a kid. I'll scream. I'll scratch your face. This face? Daddy, I had a dream about it. What happened in your dream? He was taken. By a man with black balloons? Yes. We never released those details. Hello? Don't hang up. Who are you? You know all our names? You're getting out of here. Please! Please let the dreams be real. See the wall in front of you? I tore a long cable loose from down there. There's a combination lock on the inside of the storm door. What's the combination? I carved it in the wall. Hang up the phone! Now! The tree, the door, the gate? I've never seen it before except in my dreams. You don't have much time. You're gonna use a weapon. You raise the phone, step back, and swing. Look what you made me do. Please hurry! You remember what I told you? That someday I have to stand up for myself. Someday is today, Finn. Listeners have scored this an 8 out of 10, which I'll be honest is less than I was expecting. We're going to give our scores later up with our roundup. Um, Last week, Mark told us it was a first watch for him. And we decided we were going to do a a section called Mark Predicts. So this is where Mark uses his psychic ability to predict what would happen in the next movie. 
Um, and as I knew he would forget, I got him to text it to me. So what Mark text me is um, creepy serial child abductor with possible paedophile tendencies who dresses like a cross between the Mad Hatter Hatter and Howard Wolowitz from the Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Malnourished due to lack of sunlight from practicing magic in his mum's basement, ends up accidentally casting a spell on a telephone which enables his last victims to communicate with his past victims. The ghosts of the current victims hatch a plan to take down Howard Hatter once and for all and release the trapped souls of his constant from their constant endless purgatory. Um, to be fair, it's pretty fucking fucking far off, is it? <laughs> uh, I take it you had seen the trailer. I had seen the trailer, yes. I and this I, is but that a... was all I knew about this film. I'd, I'd literally seen the trailer when it came out, and and that was it. I hadn't spoken to anybody about it. I know I made a few. I had heard mixed feedback from people, um, which is probably why I didn't check it out immediately myself. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd heard I'd heard mixed reviews, but I knew nothing regarding the plot other than what I'd seen from the trailer. And this is a prime example that shows this trailer gave too much away. Every trailer gives too much away. But so this, lit- this literally gives you the whole plot and story from start to finish. Yeah. 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 Uh, you, you get every, everything you need from this movie. If you've seen the trailer, you've seen the black phone. I yeah, could have reviewed this from the trailer. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And not that I'm crapping on it. Um, this episode, you're going to have a big contrast because normally me and Mark don't talk about the episodes. And me and Mark record we watch it on a wednesday we record it on a friday for those two days we don't talk last friday mark was six and we didn't record so i I watched it a week ago wednesday and me and mark have spoken one of us absolutely loves this movie (laughs) and one of us is going to absolutely tear it to pieces (laughs) i wonder who that might be yeah it's it's either going to be you or me and i'm a big stephen king fan so hey we'll find out (laughs) um the movie opens up with a baseball game in North Denver, 1978. Um, the guy pitching is a character called Finney, and he's playing well, and he gets the batter to strike twice. And on the third throw, the batter hits it fucking miles. It's uh, a home run. Um, my knowledge of baseball is zero, so I'm not going any more into it than he hit it a long way. Yeah, we've got rounders here in the UK. Yeah, which is and like... Even you don't play that after primary school. <laughs> No, no. Rounders is played up until the age of 10. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As Finney leaves the field, one of the players comes up to him and Finney and tells Finney his arm was mint and he nearly had him. Uh, This is how sports should be. You don't need to be a dick when you win. You can still go up to someone and go, you've done a good job. I just for me, immediately, I knew that they were setting up this dynamic between these two characters, which was going to involve them coming together in one way or another. I was like, yeah. they're on rival teams. He's being ultra nice him for no reason. Clearly, they're going to have some sort of bond going forward. Yeah, and as we get further through the film, the, the line, Finn's arm is mint, comes up a lot. Uh, almost yeah. almost to the extent of uh, signs, like swing, well, swing. Yeah. It's... And the thing is, as well, it's like, I'm only drawing attention to it because I feel like there is so much on-the-nose writing within this film. It's like you could literally watch each scene and be like, oh, that's going to be relevant in a bit of time. Oh, they're really good friends. I wonder why. Yeah, and I think it's becoming apparent which one of us likes this movie and which one of us doesn't. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm, no, I'm just I'm just bringing it up. I'm just drawing attention to it. <laughs> uh, from here, we cut to a kid riding down a suburban street, which seems to be quite a nice area. Um, this is Bruce, and it's quite clear the ladies love Bruce because he cycles past a, a group of girls who all, like, swoon and wave at him. Like, Hi, Bruce. He has luscious hair, does Bruce. He does have very nice hair. Were you jealous? I was, yeah. It was very, very lock, lock, flowing locks in the wind. It was glorious. Reminded me of my hair day. <laughs> uh, we also see Finney uh, setting up a homemade rocket on the baseball field. This was really nostalgic for me because I had these types of rockets as a kid. I was going to ask you that because I never did. I was like, that looks awesome. Yeah, you used to put like a, a mixture of various different like household products in it and then it would just fucking go sounds like you're making a bomb (laughs) very similar very similar that's why most of the bombers come from the 80s because we all had that shit as kids and toys (laughs) i I had like i think when i was like 10 or 11 i had a chemistry set that some of the chemicals in there were labeled very very hazardous and i would just play with that on my own just like mixing shit together and staring it and then heating it and see what would happen no safety goggles, no gloves. No, no, just me yeah. sat on my bedroom floor on my carpet. Like it's crazy. And eighties <laughs> parents are like a different breed, man. Yeah, uh, we are special children. Children who grew up in the seventies and the eighties, we are we're very resilient. I think is the correct it's, term. Yeah, and I wonder why. Like I remember growing up in a house where, like, there would be like people would come over to visit our house, and there would be like ten people smoking in a living room. Like, my living room's not massive, but it's bigger than it was when I was growing up as a child. I couldn't even imagine one person smoking in my living room, let alone 10 people with a baby in the room. Yeah, I, I, the, there's photos of me as a baby sat on someone's lap who has a beer in their hand and a fag hanging out of their mouth. And I'm like five weeks old. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah. Again, it's why we're so fucking resilient. Yeah, we've um, had a tougher stuff. Now we get some bits of just kids being normal kids and it fades to black. Um, And it does this as sort of Bruce, to see you see Bruce turn the corner on his bike. um, And it's, it's it's just kind of like this hit of the seventies. You get all of these like flashed up images of like kids playing and they're like cut knuckles and bruised knees and scraped legs. And I found it really odd. And I'll be honest. Dog shit is what it is, mate. Do you know what it's like? Do you know that? Do you remember? Do you used to watch that murder mystery program? It's like Billy was walking home on his own late one night, yeah. and then it'd like see like a creepy van pull up, and then it'd go into like slow motion, and then fade out, and then the voiceover would come back in, and you'd get all like these news articles. Like, mate, it was just so lazy. They fade out too many times, and they do that really slow fade out as well. Yeah. And I feel like we've mentioned fade out twice in a row now because it's a big thing that Steve, um, John Carpenter did in the thing. Like it was overly used in that. But in here, man, fucking hell, did I get a reality check when I watched this film? It's <laughs> so bad. Um, at the end of this montage, did you spot the foreshadowing? So you get a big wall that's got loads of posters of Bruce saying Bruce, whatever his name is, missing. Um, mixed in with those posters, there's three posters for Finney being missing as well. No, I didn't catch that. No, but that's in there. So, yeah, when you watch it next, have a look for that. Yeah, I won't be doing that. Um, The last thing we see on this montage is based on the story The Black Phone by Joe Hill. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know and didn't guess from my very sarcastic intro, Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. 
Yes. Why did he not use the name King? This is one thing that I annoys me about him. I'm assuming he has gone for like this alias name, so he's not riding on the tailcoats of Daddy. But then he's just nicked all his daddy's work. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I, it... I have major beef with Joe Hill. I have major, major beef with Joe Hill. Do you have much experience with this guy prior to this film? Uh, not really. I On the back of this film, I bought the Black Phone book and read it. Yeah. I know him by a, a, pro, a TV show, and it was called, I think it was called Nosferatu, but it was like a license plate. So it was N4, uh, N-O-4-R-2 or something like that. So it's about, it was basically like if you've got a personalised license plate, if you was Nosferatu. Yeah, um, okay. And it had this weird, weird place where like you'd go through this bridge. I made it through like four or five episodes of this show and gave up. But Zachary Quinto was in it, which was what drew me in because I really like him as an actor. He yeah, silent. Ad- yeah, he played the main antagonist. So I was like, oh, that's cool. He... He plays, I can't remember the name of the guy, but I'm going to explain to you why it annoyed me and then I'm going to hopefully develop on that a little bit more. The place where they go to is called Christmasland. I mean, it's really original. <laughs> it's basically a place that looks like Christmas. It's snowy, they've got candy canes everywhere. It's like really, really inventive stuff. The guy, the main guy might even be called fucking Dr. Christmas or something stupid like that. But right, it was okay. really lazy. The writing in it was really, really poor and really, really lazy. And that got cancelled after like one season. And rightly so, because it was fucking shit. Um, so that's where my beef with this guy began. Okay. Lazy writing in that. Because as well, like that show showed great potential. But like the stuff that you do, like you'd go into this place, you'd be like, oh, this is really cool and creative. And he's like, oh, what's it called? This... This guy's like gonna create something really incredible here. He's a genius. He's a writer. He's Stephen King's son. Oh, there's snow on the floor. Let's call it Christmas Land. You know, it's like, come on, like be original. Yeah, you need to read more Stephen King because Stephen King is incredibly lazy like that at times. <laughs> very, yeah. very much like that at times. I, I often wonder, like after reading The Black Phone, and I've read another one of his short stories as well. I wonder if these are things that. Like, why he's lurking around the house. Stephen King's got some bits he hasn't released and he's just kind of picked it up and written Joe Hill on the end and just released it. I think so, yeah. Or his dad's been like, ah, I was going to use this, but it's not really up to scratch. Maybe you could sell it under your pseudonym. Yeah, you could have it. you make a fortune. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm sick of paying your pocket money. Just release that and try and get some bank. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We now go to a breakfast table in the morning and we see Finney again um, and his dad, who's quite obviously hung over. Finney slurps his cereal, like the quietest slurp ever. And his dad absolutely loses his shit. He's like, oh, could you slurp that any louder? I don't think they heard you in Boulder. I was like, whoa, you yeah. are not a nice guy. I'll give this film credit for one thing, and that was a portrayal of this character. I felt it was very, very raw and gritty and and kind of... To a certain degree, I thought it was quite unnecessary, the level of um, aggravated violence that this guy was inflicting on his children. Like, it was hard to watch. It was really difficult to sit really through some scenes. Really difficult, um, really difficult. And I, and I have to applaud it for that, for going in that direction. I, I understand the relevance it might have to a to an esteemed writer, but it never really comes full circle or shows any purpose in this film, which is oh, disappointing. It does. You missed it. Did I'll I? get to it. Yeah, I'll get to it later. The the that scene. We'll get to that scene, and then later in the movie, I'll tell you why that's so important. 
But remember, make sure you do come back to it then, because it was one thing that really annoyed me about this the most, is that they spent so much time focusing on this family dynamic and how they'd come from a broken home. And then we get one, in my opinion, we got one final little scene at the end outside the ambulance, and that was it. And yeah. I just didn't feel like that particular scene justified this whole character development early on, especially for such a gritty and and heartfelt situation that they portrayed on screen. It was it was it was hard to watch and I didn't like seeing it. I mean the guy who played the dad was fantastic. Yeah. And I've seen him in stuff before. And he has a stupid mullet rat tail him, the other thing that I've seen him in, but he plays like a lighter, softer character. Um, so it was quite weird seeing him in this in this contrast contrasting role. But I thought he was really, really good and he really sold that role well. Yeah. Um, and I really and was hope- it was it his, was it the mother died? The mother died and he was just yeah. not dealing with it well by all just, just not dealing with it well. But we, we get to more of that later as well, because he has a conversation with Gwen, who we meet now. Um so Gwen's Finney's sister, and she comes in and as she comes in, she like opens the bread bin and it slams down on the side and she instantly apologized. So oh, I'm so so sorry, so so sorry. The dad doesn't say anything, just kind of makes like a <sighs> noise. And it was at this point that I realised he's really not a nice guy. No, you, you can could... tell the walking on eggshells around him, can't you? Yeah, and trigger warning, if you've suffered any mental or physical abuse from a parent, um, I would probably steer clear of this movie if you're still dealing with that, because this movie goes quite deep into it. Um, and this episode as well. If this is something that's going to trigger you, here's your warning you only get one <laughs> i'm not going to do it again you get one warning uh this is very harsh this movie in places and if that's not your cup of tea thank you very much for listening and i'll let you get on your merry way um, but we're not the ones inflicting it we're just discussing it we're, we're just we're not the ones inflicting it we're just the ones reliving it for you and telling you all about it <laughs> um after breakfast the brother and sister walk to school uh and this is where we find out that bruce has definitely gone and we see bruce's family putting up fresh flyers um he turns to his sister and says do you think they're going to find him her reply is chilling and she's like yes they're going to but not how they want to yeah it's like oh man um when they get to school the movie becomes fight club and this seems fucking awesome yeah and you know what i kind of like this as well it was like very much uh it was like a for all the aesthetics going on in this film, this was the one that felt like the most 80s Goonie-style callback of the lot, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So we meet uh, a bully called Moose, who's a, a big guy, um, and he's picking on a smaller kid called Robin. And Robin's like, look, I don't want to do this, Moose. And Moose is like, ah, let's have it. Robin literally has a future in the UFC because he kicks the fuck out of him. And not like a little bit, he roundhouse kicks him in the face and then like mounts him like across his chest and just unloads on his face for a good like four minutes. Like literally tries to kill him. Yeah, it's really, really fucking brutal. Really brutal. And they show it on camera as well. And I was like, yeah, go on. Yeah. I think it's so much hard hitting as well when it's kids doing stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I, I... I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but sometimes bullies need this to happen to them so they stop bullying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and <laughs> the character Robin, I really like all the way through. I think Robin's great. Yeah, he was probably one of the starring 
starring ones for me. As, aside from Finney, obviously, I think he was sort of second place in terms of acting prowess and quality. Yeah, it was Gwen for me. Gwen's outstanding. The actress who plays Gwen is incredible. Yeah, I, I wasn't on board with her character at all, but that was for different reasons. I don't think that was due to her. I think it's just the way she was written that I didn't particularly like. It's a Joe Hill problem, not a Gwen problem. Is that what you're telling it me? It is, yeah, this is exactly right. It is. Her <laughs> as an actress, I'm sure she was incredible, but I was so distracted by the poor writing surrounded her <laughs> that I couldn't give her any time of day. Um, they continue walking to school and they're discussing a character called the Grabber. And this is who they've nicknamed the person who keeps taking the kids. Um, and Finney's like, doesn't even want to say the name. And Gwen's like, look, you know the rumours aren't true. He can't hear you if he, if you say his name. He's not going to come and take you. And I love the fact they kind of built this like little urban legend around it. I yeah. thought that was really clever because that's what kids do. It, they never if, really state in this film how long this has been going on for and how long the grabber has been around for. Because from what from what I deducted from the film was like these were all fairly in quick succession. Like there was no, we didn't get a, a time frame between when the baseball player went missing to when the next one went missing before Finney went missing. You know, there was, for me the, the the time framing just wasn't quite explained enough there was no real sort of way of keeping track of the days and the hours no and i'll be honest that didn't bother me in this i wasn't that bothered by that i i don't know why it just didn't you see for somebody who was i I was paying so much close attention to the grabber being the central focus that things like that are important for me as a a fan of true crime and 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 serial killer-esque kind of things like i was trying to develop and understand a pattern but there wasn't explaining any form of pattern to me. No, no, and they don't. They, there's a lot in this they don't explain. And I think a lot of that is purpose on purpose as well. Um, we cut to a quick scene in Finney's science class, um, and he's got a rocket pen with a built-in torch. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because it's relevant later. Uh, one thing that annoyed me: his torch had an LED. It was an LED light. In the seventies, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it just bugged me a lot. I was like, "Why? Yeah. Why is it LED? Just get a proper like torch with a bulb." There's a few ways, a few years away from this being an oil burner, let alone a fucking yeah. LED. <laughs> uh, Finney leaves class at the end of class, and he's chased by a group of bullies. He runs into a toilet and he jumps like in the end toilet and goes up on the. He stands on the toilet to try and hide his feet but they follow him. They know, they know where he is. Uh, this school has got a serious issue with bullying. There was almost a murder at the front of the school earlier when Robin nearly killed the bully. And now there's three bullies like chasing down Finn. I love the way in this scene that Finn pretty much just accepts his fate. Like they come through the door and instead of them waiting for them all to check the cubicles, he hears them come in and basically just like, yeah, the jig's up and just walks out, comes yeah. out to, to confront them as if to say, yeah, do you worse then boys. Yeah, and it's at this point where Robin walks in. So Robin walks in and literally pushes his way out of the bullet, through the bullies. And as he does it, he goes, move, move dipshits. He says hello to Finn and he's there like washing his hands. Yeah, and he's talking to Finn. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I've had my hands have been bleeding like all through first period. I just need to clean it up. And then he looks at them and just like, they go, oh, we're going to go. He goes, no, 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 before you go. If you fuck with Finn again, you fuck with me. And all of them kind of go, shit, okay, right, bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this has a very this this scene needs one 
scene in particular that has purpose and and is well done within the writing because it does come full circle. Yeah, it does. It comes full circle really well as well. Yeah. Really well. Um, After the bullies have gone, I kind of worked out that Finn and Robin are friends, but they've kind of got a bit of an agreement. So Finn's like, why did you beat up Moose so bad? And he's like, well, when you've got a crowd, sometimes you just need to get a bit of blood just to make your point. It's like, fucking hell, who is this I know, I was like, yeah, Mike Tyson. <laughs> uh, and he's like, anyway, on, the, on your way home, Finn, can you stop by my house because I need some help with my homework? Because I think they've kind of got like an unspoken rule of you help me with my homework and I help you with bullies. And I, I liked that. I, again, yeah. something that when I was at school, that was a thing. Yeah. But bullying like this, as when you watch it now, is so unrealistic. But these kind of fights happened when I was at school. Yeah, we I witnessed plenty of these kind of fights. The fights where people did actually like just unload fury and just didn't stop. But when you're that age, you don't think anything of it. It's just fight, 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 fight. Yeah, exactly. But in reality, as a teacher who probably on saw that, I was like, holy shit, this is a fucking massacre. If you saw <laughs> a fight like that in a pub in town, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like in a pub in town these days, you get one punch in and the police come in, all the bouncers. Yeah. You never see a fight like what you used to see in school. Ever. No, and at school it was like already, it was all pre-organised and there'd be a special place where you knew it was the longest time for the teachers to reach that point so it could go on as long as possible. Yeah, yeah, it would be orchestrated very, very well and you'd have to spend all day knowing the build-up was coming to this fight later on at like three o'clock in the bike shed. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why everyone who grew up in the 70s and 80s are really good at planning. We're meticulous planners. <laughs> <laughs> um, we now see Gwen being pulled out of her class and I thought she was being taken to the principal to be told off for something, but she's not. She's brought into the principal's office and there's two detectives there. So it turns out Gwen had told Bruce's sister that she had had a dream about Bruce and she'd seen a man with black balloons. Um, This is where the detectives say, look, we found black balloons at the scene and this is something we never released to the press. So what do you know? Tell us how you know. And thinking that she has some sort of involvement because I don't think they I don't think necessarily they thought that she was involved, but maybe they thought that. She, she saw something. Yeah, she saw something. Um, Gwen just cuts him off mid-sentence and goes, oh, what, so I'm the grabber? And then she just fucking rips into these two detectives. She's like, yeah, obviously I'm the grabber. I kidnapped two kids last spring. Um, and this is like, and one of those kids was huge. He could kick the fuck out of both of you, blindfolded. Oh, yeah, but I'm the I'm I'm the grabber, you fucking fart knockers. I was like, yeah, go Gwen. Go Gwen. Uh, harsh, but very much like, come on, you two are detectives and you're you're interrogating a nine year old girl on what she knows. Yeah, they are buffoons, both of these detectives. <laughs> that they are timepiece accurate to police in the nineteen seventies. Yeah. At least screen accurate anyway. No, they're, they're accurate to real police. Listen to any true crime episode me and Heather have done on 70s crimes. The police are this fucking stupid all the way really? through. Yeah, awful. Wow. Um, they basically, they ask what she's not telling them. And she basically says, look, sometimes her dreams are right. And all that went through my head was everybody shines in their own special way. Because this is a complete ripoff of the shine from The Shining. Mate, honestly, I feel like my neighbours, 
even three or four doors down could have felt my eye roll when this scene played out on screen. <laughs> um, this is where Joe Hill's plagiarism of Daddy's work begins, but it is not where it ends. It is a, a current, a continuous theme throughout this movie. Um, and yeah. I know there's lots of people who like this movie, and I'm not necessarily shitting on it, because if you're going to plagiarise anyone's work, make it Stephen King's. And if it's your dad, you kind of get a free pass to do that. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but he's definitely copied quite a bit. I don't think so. I feel like it's more of a fucking hindrance to him as a as a writer and an artist. And basically, I feel like if if this had been anybody else, it would have been considered homage. Yeah. But because it's his son, it's just like, fuck me, like, get daddy to write your script for you. <laughs> uh, well, no, no, to be fair, Joe Hill writes a better ending than his dad. Well, again, that's debatable. Jo- jo- Joe Hill actually knows how to end something so it won't continue. Um, they leave school and Gwen says it's, it's Friday and every Friday she stays at her friend Susie's house. So Finn needs to look after his dad. Um, speaking of his dad, he's passed out, surrounded by beer bottles. What a guy. Yeah, lads, um, lads, lads. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Finn gets home, has some ice cream and watches a horror movie. Go, Finn. I really I identified with Finn a lot at this point. I didn't have a an abusive parent or someone who was drunk when I got home, but my mum worked a lot. My mum, my dad had died. So I was at the age of like 13, 14. I would come home from school and there'd be no one there till like eight o'clock. So this was me at that age. I would come in, I'd get some crap out of the fridge and I would sit down and I'd watch a horror movie. What was he watching in this one? Uh, he was watching The Tingler from 1959. Uh, which I, had, a, I couldn't rec- recognise that. I was like, oh God, what was that film? It was, a, it was a movie that scared the director when he was a kid, which is why he added it. And he actually, uh, he actually had to go and get the rights to use it as well. I was going to say, because most times in situations like this, it's Dawn of the Dead. Not all. Yeah, no, but this this one was the tingler, and he went and asked for the rights to use it, and basically said, "Look, this terrified me as a kid. I want to put it in my movie because I want to show people what scared me." Yeah, and I like I, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Finn falls asleep in the front in front of the TV. Um, what he wakes up is to is horrific, and this is God, the the dad beating the shit out of the sister uh, with a belt um, and brutally and all on screen. And it's it's really hard to watch. And he's screaming that the police come to my work as well. What did you say? What yeah. did you say to the police? Um, and in the middle of this scene, you've got Finn who stood there watching and you can see he's getting angry and he wants to step in, but he's still got that fear of his father. Yeah. Um, and he kind of leaves Gwen to fend for herself a little bit. And she she grabs a bottle of vodka and says, if he hits her again, she's going to drop it. And he's like, if you drop that vodka, I'm going to beat you twice as hard. And she does drop it. And he doesn't beat her twice as hard. He just basically goes, look, your mother was like this. She saw things and heard things. And in the end, she killed herself. It, it's such a harsh scene to watch. But every single cast member in this scene are spot on. Yeah, and I if, remember messaging you at the time when I watched this scene. I was like, "This motherfucker bad guy's come up into this film." Yeah, and obviously I'd seen it at that point. I was like, oh, "Do I tell him that he doesn't? Do I tell him now, <laughs> or do I say him find out?" 
Yeah, disappointing. There's so many avenues this could have gone down as well, and it's it, it's a shame, really. Like he could have he could have had some sort of redemption, and he could have been like the daughter could have told him where the grabber was and where Finn was being held, and he could have then gone to save him, and the grabber could have killed him trying to save Finn, and then it would have been like an emotional moment where Finn and the father could have had a conversation and the last dying breath, and I'd have been like, awesome. I should have wrote the black phone. Fuck this film. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We cut to Robin walking down the street and we see a man get out of the black van. We get another fade to black. um, And then we cut to all of the phones in the town ringing. Um, This was a real thing. Again, when I was growing up, I don't know if it was when you phone trees. Do you remember a phone tree? No. So how a phone tree worked is in the 80s, we were allowed out till it was dark. Yeah, And we come back when it was dark. If I didn't come home when it was dark, my mum would have three parents on her phone tree who she would call to ask if I was there. Each one of those parents had another three parents on their phone tree. And they would call those three parents to see if I was there. So by one phone call, that quickly grows into every single parent knowing you're missing and every single parent trying to find you. That's really, really clever. How has that not been implemented today? Oh, now we've got mobile phones and all of our kids have got mobile phones. So we just ring them directly. Where are you? Yeah, but still failing that, though, there should still be some sort of phone tree to parents and stuff. I think, yeah. again, I suppose it's a WhatsApp group chat. Yeah, exactly that. Times have moved on. <laughs> yeah, OK. <laughs> we don't talk anymore. Past, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> we text now. <laughs> um, outside, there's now a full scale search party going into the woods with torches. Um. Gwen comes in to say sorry to Finn that his friend is missing um, and he asks her to do the dream thing and she says it, it doesn't work like that and he goes but can it work like that could you could you try it's my friend um she's got like a toolkit like a I don't know it's like a it's like contact, a shrine isn't it <laughs> like, like a, a contact the dead toolkit in her doll's house yeah she opens his doll's house and it's got like what it's got like a statue of mother mary and yeah, it's got a cross. It's got uh, uh, she's got a Bible. It's very Catholic, very Catholic, uh, and she prays to Jesus and help ask him to help her find Robin because her brother needs him. Yeah. Um, at this point, the hallway light goes on, um, and she puts all her stuff away um, and basically jumps into bed. Uh, you see her dad's shadow appear at the doorway, and I did not like where this was going. At this point, I was like, fuck, no. No, uh, I didn't. I, I, I think had that played out like it was, like I thought it was going to in that moment, I probably would have switched this off, you know? Yeah, I I, I was kind of like, please don't go there. And it didn't. It, it didn't. And the dad basically goes, look, I know what you're doing. Um, you're up late playing. Come on, it's bedtime now. I love you. Yeah. And I was like, uh, there was a moment where I kind of went, like, fuck for that. That's, yeah. that's not as dark as it could have been. No. No, and again, this was like another thing that I felt a showed moment of promise because you could see that this father genuinely loved his children and he was just struggling with his own internal emotions yeah. regarding the loss of his wife and 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 the balance of trying to manage this. this I mean, I, I God forbid, I, I would never dream of behaving the way that this gentleman does in this film. But if I lost my wife and I had to raise my daughter on my own, I, I can imagine I would be a bit of a mess. You know, I don't think I would handle that situation well in the slightest. I can't even but, find my fucking car keys without Lisa here. Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> I, I kind of got the internal struggle that this guy was going for. I just felt like this side of the story was so underdeveloped. 
it was very underdeveloped and very dark. Um, we cut to the following day and the detectives are back on the case um, and they turn back up to talk to Gwen because she's got the shining. So let's ask, let's ask psychic girl what she knows. Yeah. Where's uh, Scatman Carruthers when you need him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the dad reinforces how much of a dick he is. He opens the door and goes, what does she do now? The cops are like, Look, n- nothing, but we just want to talk to her. Um, this whole scene is done in silence and we see Gwen shaking her head. Um, I think at this point the police suspect her dad. I think they've gone that she's seen things at home, and that's See, that why would she... be a more logical jump for the police to have made earlier on. Yeah, and I think they did make that. I think that's why they went and spoke to the dad at work, and I think that's why they come back. I think they kind of had the dad pinned as the grabber. Right. Okay. Which would do you know what? If they'd have made that clearer and better written. Because, like, although you're saying that's the insinuation, you seem to be the only person who's picked up on that. <laughs> like, like they, that's a leap to make. And, yeah, the, the chess pieces are all there for that to be right. But it's just it's just not reiterated well enough in this film for that to be. Like, if that had been the case and that had been the central focus and the police had, have insinuated, like, right, listen, we think your dad's a grabber. We think you're seeing these things because these are the kind of things you're witnessing at home. And then it was another way to tie in the fact that they had to disprove that their dad wasn't the grabber. He's just a washed up Alki who's lost his wife. Yeah. Oh, man, this film has so much potential. I think that's <laughs> why I'm so disappointed by it overall. Um, this is where we get the full circle of the um, the Robin and the bullies, because Robin's been taken by the grabber now. So the bullies are back on Finn and yep. three on one. And they start beating him and mercilessly beating him as well. Um, Gwen being his little sister comes running in with a, she's got a, a massive rock in her hand and she runs in screaming, you cock sucking cowards. And then literally kills one of the kids by splatting him on the side of the head. How is the he not dead? Bully. Yeah, how the is he not dead? I have no idea, but she fucking whacks him good and proper to the point where he has to take a sit down to the side. And uh, someone whacks her pretty good and proper as well. Don't yeah. They? So after the heat, she takes out that bully. The others like push her to the ground. Then one of them like, run up and like almost football kicks her in the face. And then yeah, she to goes. The point and sits... where I almost thought her head was going to fall off. He kicked her that hard. Yeah. And then and she her goes. And the main bully like sitting next to each other, don't they? As if to say, I think we're going to sit this one out. Finn yeah, just she... takes a bit of a beating from the other two. Yeah. She's got a bleeding nose and a cut lip, and he's got like blood running down his face where she's cut his head open, and they're just trying to. <laughs> There's a bit where they look at each other and just acknowledge, go, that fucking hurt, didn't it? We'll just, we'll just sit here and leave them to it. Um, the other two finish beating him up and we cut to science class. Um, now, Finn's day has not been great so far, but it does improve as he gets partnered with a girl in his class that he obviously quite likes. And it's for frog dissection. He's going to be with her for the rest of the year. Um, and you can see he's like, he's hit the fucking jackpot. He's like, this is the best day of my life. I know I got beaten up earlier, but now I'm sat with the girl I like for the whole year. Yeah. But they don't stew on it. They cut straight to his sister and him walking home and her taking the piss out of him mercilessly going like, mm, Donna, mm, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the relationship between the brother and sister. I thought it was nice that it was as close as it were. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think that's because they have such a shit home life. They lean on each other. Yeah. 
Um, and the again, system- another thing that's well reiterated in this story is is the home life aspect of this film. Yeah. Yeah, and the sister being that fucking annoying is a hundred percent accurate. I have a a younger sister, and I can tell you for a fact that is exactly how it goes. That yeah, is exactly. I have two ex- sisters. I grew up in this dynamic, and I have a younger sister and an older sister. And man, I could have killed them both growing up. I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's there's many times I've considered kicking my sister as hard in the face as that bully kicked Gwen. <laughs> Never done it, but many times I considered it. Uh, we find out at this point that we've we've elapsed another week because it's time for Gwen to stay at Susie's again. Um, and we know that Finn then has to go home and look after his dad. We follow Finn on his way home and we see the black van that we've seen knocking around a couple of times now. Um, this is the pr- first sort of proper shot we get of it. And it says abracadabra magic supplies on the side. As Finn gets closer, a man stumbles out, dropping his shopping and his eggs all over the floor. First impressions on the grabber with no mask? Um, I, li- I like Ethan Hawke. I think he's great. Um, his look wasn't very authentic, though. It was clear he had like heavy white foundation on his face to try and pale him up a little bit. Uh, but I-, I, like, I like Ethan Hawke. I like the idea of the grabber. I like the concept of the character. Um, the balloons was a little bit too on the nose for me, but I think Ethan Hawke is great. I think he's great in this, and the fact that he's not wearing a mask in these particular moments are probably some of the better scenes of the film. The balloons were not plagiarism from Stephen King because they were black, okay? Yeah, but just because of different <laughs> colour to Pennywise, it doesn't make it any different. Uh, he, he... One particular scene, which is exactly the same scene from the film It Chapter One, the, the the Andy Muschietti one that came out recently. Yeah, uh, I shared... stood behind an upside down pyramid of balloons. Yeah, I shared it on my. I done a reel about it showing the similarities. There's, yeah, there's, I, I haven't seen that. There's some more later as well. Um, Finn helps the guy pick all up his his shopping, and he goes, "Do you want to see a magic trick?" And Finn says, "Yes." And that is at this point that Finn spots black balloons in the back of the truck and goes, "Are they black balloons?" And the grabber opens the door and goes, yes, and then like forces him in. And he sprays something in his mouth. I'm guessing... I'm assuming this is like a chloroform kind of thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I had, because it, it knocks Finn out. Um, in the struggle, Finn uses his rocket pen from earlier, the one with the LED light that he stole from 2023, and he scrapes it down the grabber's arm. 2023. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it confused me as well because he wakes up with this pen in his hand. I'm like, surely the grabber's not daft enough to leave him with it. Oh, he did. Hmm. He did. Um, we see the grabber carrying Finn into a room and throwing him on a bed, saying he should snap his neck for what he did to his arm. And I was like, oh, I, I genuinely didn't know where this was going. And I didn't like, I found this this very uncomfortable the way the grabber is with him yeah um when finn comes to he's confronted by the grabber in one many variations of his mask and the mask is great yeah again the mask looks fantastic but any actor could wear it and any actor could give the performance that even hawk does behind that mask for me yeah the, the mask is one of the is... most disappointing things is because even hawk is a phenomenal actor and he's so underutilized by the fact that he spent most of the time of this film behind a mask yeah, I think that I think he is underutilized because of the mask. 
But I also think that this is probably the most iconic mask we've had since the 80s. And again, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. And th- this is up I'm there with so... the Myers mask and the no, Voorhees no, mask. No. It's, it's up on the same level mask-wise. Nothing else, mask. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a bold statement, but I can I can understand why you would come to that conclusion. And I, I kind of agree to a certain, a certain extent. And I feel like had this film had more development and more more of a grounded approach to the character, we we probably would be having a different opinion and a different conversation about this film. Because like nothing about this character is memorable or impactful enough other than the mask. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because okay. of the writing. That's because of the writing, because it's it's just it fall it fails so hard on on lack of information surrounding this guy. But that, that's de- it's deliberate. It's deliberate. It's not, it is maybe it is deliberate, but it's for me as a viewer. Why is he wearing a mask? I don't care. Why is he kidnapping kids? What's he doing to these kids? Where's he taking them? What's he doing with them? Is he killing them? Is he having sex with them? Is he just killing well, them? How is he killing them? See that. If he that's, kills them, then what's he doing with them? That's the whole thing. This is no different to how they framed Hannibal Lecter and. Ah. No, because Hannibal Lecter had a motive. He had a motive and he had reason. And then we knew that he ate his victims and we knew why he ate his victims. We yeah. don't know anything about this guy other than the fact that he's taking kids. We have no sort of background to this character. We have no pattern. We have no reasoning or justification. We get one thing of, of him wanting to play this game, this naughty boy game, which we come to later on when we get to it. I know I'm just ranting yeah, no, it's, it's fine. I'm going to let you rant. Would you, I think but, you, I think you will play the naughty boy game when this episode comes out. Everyone's going to message you as a naughty I'm boy. Expecting serious backlash from this, but I feel like it's important for me to say this because it's come out and everyone's like, "Yeah, this film's amazing," but it's not because there's just so much missing and lacking from it. And I, and I'm only like, so angry about it because this film shows such great potential. But I like that. I like I like the fact that they've left all that information out. I like the fact that like when we get to the naughty boy game, I think we know what the game is. They just don't say it. They let our head fill in the game. I think I know what the game is. Well, what's your what's your take on it? What do you think the game is? What do you think the naughty boy game is? Well, we'll get to we're nearly at the naughty boy game. And I'll go I'll go through it then because I've got it in my notes what I think the naughty boy game is. Um, the grabber says he knows Finn is scared and he's not going to hurt him. Um, he says he's going to get him a soda as well. Um, the grabber says, oh, no, I mean, you have to wait. The phone's ringing um, and he goes up to get the phone. and He closes the door behind him. Uh, Finn has a look around, finding a toilet and a black phone hanging on the wall that's not connected. And he goes and then has a nap because he's still suffering the effects of the drugs. Um, we now see the phone tree I spoke about earlier in effect again. Um, and this time it's everyone searching for Finn. Um, back in the basement, Finn is woken up by the phone ringing. Uh, he picks up the receiver and we hear the grabber talk. And he tells Finn it hasn't been working since it was a kid and tells him to hang the phone up. And I like this because he picks the phone up and like puts it to his ear. And then you hear the talking. And at first off, I thought it was through the phone. And the, cam- well, yeah. the camera spins around. The grabber stood behind him like, doesn't work. Hang it up. Um, he says he knows Finn wants to go home and everything's a bit fucked up at the moment. And he goes, so don't worry, but y- you will go home at some point. Um, ah, it's it's just th- this, this bit here is really like 
creepy and pedo he is. He's like stroking his face and going, I won't make you do anything you're not going to like. And I was like, no, there's no need. Don't go there. But no. I, I think that's there because that is what is kind of insinuated that the naughty boy game might be. Um, Finn accuses him of killing the others. And he says, like, no, I, I haven't done anything. That's someone else. Um, and he leaves shutting the door. Um, Ethan Hawke reminded me very much of Heath Ledger's Joker in his delivery of this character. Yeah, I think he's definitely taken some inspiration from it. Yeah, the, the Joker, he's kind of a cross between the Joker and Pennywise. So he takes his voice up really high like Pennywise and then brings it down really low like the Joker. It's really weird. How he yeah, talks. he has like this sort of like childlike softness about the way he delivers his lines, but yeah. also to, uh, like a sinister spin on it at the same time. Yeah, and it's very good. Yeah, it, yeah, he is as well. He's fantastic. Finn says he's going to scream as soon as he leaves, and the, the grabber's like, "Fill your boots. No one can hear you down here. I soundproofed it myself." Um, Finn does scream, and it cuts to outside where you can see Finn through the window of the basement, and you can't hear him at all. Um, Finn tries to reach the high window um, and I like how he rationalises things in his head. So he kind of jumps a couple of times and then he says to himself, no, Robin would have done this. And if Robin couldn't do it, I can't do it. And he kind of just plonks himself on the bed. Um, the phone rings again and Finn answers it and it's just clicking um, and he hangs up. He wakes up with a grabber sitting at the bottom of his bed and the mask has changed. So like the bottom of this mask is interchangeable. Yeah. So we get a happy grabber, a sad grabber, and a, a like no mouth grabber. Yeah, we also I, like the top part comes off, so you get some scenes where it's just the bottom half of the mask, and then you see Ethan Hawke's eyes through it. Although yeah. you get the full head thing with horns. Yeah, it's and, very uh, interchangeable throughout. Yeah, and it's it's a really clever mask, and I think they should have done more with that. They should have done like the happy grabber's really nice, and the sad grabber's really sad, and. That but would they be didn't. awesome. Like different personalities for different masks. That would have been really, really cool. Yeah, and they didn't do any of that. And that's something I was disappointed about. Um, Finn says he's hungry and the grabber says that he can't bring him anything at the moment. Um, and he just has to sit back down. And then the grabber leaves. Um, the phone rings again um, and Finn picks it up. And this time he gets an answer and he shits himself and hangs it straight up. The phone rings again and he answers it and he says, tells him not to hang up. Um, Finn asks who it is. He says, I can't remember. It's the first thing we forget. Um, and he keeps saying, but your arm is mint. We met once. Your arm is mint. Mm. And it's Bruce. And we know Bruce is dead. So the general consensus is this is a spirit. In my roundup, I don't think any of these ghosts, I don't think Gwen has the shining. But we'll get to that when I do my roundup, because if I do it now, it's going to confuse everybody. Um, Bruce tells him that basically that the grabber wants to play a game with you um, and you don't want to play the game. You don't want to play the game. There's a tunnel. Um, I started digging it. You can go and dig the tunnel and get out. But he didn't. He started digging it. He didn't start anything. There is no pre-established tunnel. No, there's no pre-established tunnel, but I don't know if that's because the grabbers filled it back in again. (laughs) That's what I'm guessing. Um, Gwen's finally had a dream and she dreams about Bruce's life. Um, It ends up with Finn banging on the door um, and she basically wakes up and gets on her bike and goes looking for the house. 
that she sees Finn banging it. Um, Finn starts to dig the tunnel and he's taking the dirt and flushing it down the toilet. Really clever to yeah. flush it down the toilet as it's soundproof down there. Um, the grabber's back and he's brought breakfast this time. And Finn's like, what have you put in the eggs? He's like, uh, salt and pepper. Yeah, says <laughs> in there, you're fucked already. Don't worry about it. He, <laughs> he even says, he says, what's the point of me drugging it? You're already in the basement. Um, he also leaves the door slightly open. Finn's about to go through the door as the phone rings and he answers it again. Um, this time the voice tells him that he must not go up the stairs because it's a trap and the grabber's waiting with a belt. Now, Finn works out this is a, a kid called Billy who was kidnapped on his newspaper round. Um, and we see on screen the ghost stood next to him as the camera spins. Fuck, I jumped so hard. Oh, did you? Yeah, I, I didn't see it coming. I was kind of like half taking notes. And then all of a sudden there's like this ghost kid, like fucking full screen right in front of me. <laughs> um, yeah, he phone... kind of looks worn down like the uh, American werewolf in London sort of flashback yeah. scenes. We're getting that. Yeah, uh, the phone goes dead and we actually see the ghost like push down on the receiver to hang it up. Uh, Finn sneaks up the stairs and this is where he finds the grabber sat topless with a belt over his lap. And he goes back downstairs to eat breakfast. And every other person who really likes Ethan Hawke sat there and went, oh, topless Ethan Hawke with a belt. Daddy. <laughs> Daddy? <laughs> Daddy, what the fuck? <laughs> Guaranteed. That's, that's, uh, call into the show. If you thought Daddy when you saw this, call into the show. Uh, that's something I'm never going to be able to get out of my head for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy. Uh, after breakfast, Finn takes another nap. He sleeps a lot in this film. He does, yeah. He, he sleeps a lot more than I think I would in this situation. I don't think I'd want to sleep knowing the grabbers about. No, I'd be frantically trying to stay awake in case he comes and does stuff to me while I'm sleeping. Yeah, I sleep a lot, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Finn gets another call um, and basically he says, oh, it's Billy. And Billy's like, look, I don't know that name. Don't call me that. So he calls him the paper boy. Um, the paper boy tells him he's hidden a cable. So he's found a loose cable and it's hidden in the wall. Um, and then we get this really cool spin the bottle effect where the bottle spins and kind of points him in the direction of where he needs to go to. Um, Gwen has had a dream about Billy and seen his life and his abduction um, and sees at the end the grabber stood in front of a house holding balloons, laughing, which is the pyramid of balloons like. Pennywise. Yeah, from from, from it. Uh, Finn manages to retrieve the cable and he uses it, gets one of the rolled carpets that's down there to try and get up to the window. Um, he removes the metal grate and then falls back down and then realizes he can't get back up to the window because he needed the grate. He needed the grate to loop the cable through to climb. And yeah. then he's pulled the grate out and now he's got nothing to loop the cable to. So he can't get out that window. And I like the fact that every time he gets a call, it gets very, it gets, it falls into very much a formula at this point. So he gets a call. They give him a clue. He does the yeah. clue. The clue doesn't work. And it follows this pattern. And then at the end, all of the clues come together and help him get out. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I, they all sort of serve a purpose. Yeah. Everything sort of culminates into one big grand final sort of escape plan, if you will. Yeah. And 
it, it's very, very clever how it's how it's done. Um, and I'm going to kind of skim over some of this purely for the fact that it is very formulaic. It is very much we get five phone calls that are all fucking identical, but they just give him a different clue. Um, so I'm not going to completely skip it, but I'm going to skim it a little bit. Otherwise, go watch the black phone. You'll get the gist of it. Um, after Finn's fallen down from the grate, we cut back to Gwen and she sat with her dad. And this is one of the only times her dad's not a complete arsehole. She's like, I want to talk about my dreams. And you see, he kind of takes a big sigh because obviously Finn's missing. So he doesn't want to like slap her about because he knows that's not no. going to help anyone. And he's like, OK, what, what do you want to talk about? She's like, like mum had these dreams and her dad's like, yes, she did. And it done horrible things to her and she killed herself. She's like, I know that. But what if my dreams can help help us find Finn? And with that, you don't know what happens straight away. And it cuts then to the dad out with Gwen in the car and they're driving together looking for the house. Yeah. So this is where he's kind of, if anything, humoring her, humoring her a little bit. I think maybe he's thinking the worst and going, well, if this helps her get through it. Because I don't think he's necessarily a bad person, as you say. I think it's. I don't either. I just think he's struggling with with the loss of his wife and having to raise two children, and he's just sort of turned to drink. And unfortunately, yeah. that comes with severe hangovers, which leads to severe moods Behavior. and yeah behavioural problems. Unfortunately, so <clears throat> I don't uh, think he's a bad person. I just think he's in a bad situation. Yeah, um, we go back to the two detective dipshits, um, and they're doing door to door calls asking if anyone's seen anything. Um, they knock on the door of a guy called Max. I love Max. He fucking made me laugh so much. Yeah, they, like they, they knock on the door and he's like, oh, hi, you're here. Come in, come in, come in. And he like, Max is Heather of, of this movie. <laughs> he's got like a fucking crime board up with like, I've been working on the case for a while now and I've pinpointed the grabber's going to be somewhere on this street. And they're like, yeah, okay. Have you seen anything? He's like, no, I haven't seen anything. They're like, if you see any of the kids, give me a call. He's like, well, as we're working on the case together now, um, I'll give you a call if I get a lead. And they're like, no, just call me if you see the kids. And I was like, this bloke is like, there's something wrong with this guy. And then one of the cops like points at his desk goes, also, you might want to clean up again before people come round. And on the desk, there's like four lines of cocaine racked up. Yeah. Straight away, Max is just looks of sheer disappointment, and then as soon as they leave, he just snorts a lot. He <laughs> just fucking made me laugh so much. He's like poked up and like fully focused on this case. I'm not being funny. He has solved it as well. Yeah, because um, it's like cam- Murray from Stranger Things on cocaine. Yeah, because the camera pans down, and Finn is in the basement of the house that he's in, snorting cocaine. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. He's in the same house. Are you That's sure? What, yeah, 100%. That's why the grabber keeps going back upstairs and why all the grabber's plans are fucked up. That's why Finn got more time than all of the other children, because his brother thought, had come to stay with him. I thought his brother was in the house where they were buried. No, no, the house where they're buried is emptied. It's empty when they go in and research it. There's nothing in that house at all. Because you hear later on where the dog starts barking when the grabber catches him outside and he tells yeah. his brother to shut up. He goes, no, just, just the dog. Don't worry about it. Just go back to sleep. Ah, right. Okay. I'm so, yeah, they're, they're in the same house. So, yeah, Finn is actually in the basement below where Max is on his coke binge. 
And I love the fact that like his point is like it's somewhere around this house and he's pointing at his house and Finn's down below. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's here. Uh back in the basement, the Finn Finn's there, the grabbers come back, um, and he's bought some Finn food for Finn. Um and he says to Finn, I never get to know the names of the kids that I've taken until they appear in the newspapers. And because you're here a bit longer than normal, what's your name? And Finn lies. To which the grabber then fucking launches his breakfast on the floor and throws the newspaper at him and Finn's front page news. And he's like, I really liked you. I, I was thinking about letting you go as well. But yeah. You blatantly, yeah, he blatantly wasn't going to let him go. But we get another phone call. Um, and this is where we get a shot of the grabber upstairs and he's falling asleep. The phone call, no one answers this time. Finn's just dead. Um, and we get the shot of the grabber. Then we get the shot of Finn using his torch to look round in the basement because it's dark. Um, and then the ghost boy, I love the ghost boy. He's like hanging upside down, dripping blood. I can't remember this bit. I thought he got a phone call to explain to him what the password, the code was for the, the lock. It, he does, but he doesn't get that yet. So he sees the ghost first. So when he sees the ghost, the ghost disappears. Um, and this is where the phone rings again. So the phone oh, rings okay. twice yeah, yeah. in this section. Yeah. Um, and this is where we get the boy who gave, basically says that he's a guy called Griffin, a uh, little kid who got taken. And he's like, look, the grabber uses my combination lock on his back door. And the combination that I've carved into the wall. And then Finn's back with the torch and he finds the combination on the wall. And he's like, what order is it? And he's like, I can't remember. It's either 22, 33, 7, or it's two, three, three, seven. Or, but I can't remember. So Finn's got to try all of them. And he's like, the grabber's asleep now. So you need to go and do it now. But you need to be very, very quiet. Um, Finn sneaks up. The bit where he sneaks past the grabber and the grabber kind of stares. That I was so tense in that point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I thought he was going to get him. I thought he was going to work in that moment. But having, having already seen the, a child in this movie get beaten with a belt, I was under no illusion that they wouldn't do it again. No. And I was like, he's going to catch him. He's going to beat him with the belt and then throw him back down in the basement. Um, but he doesn't. And Finn gets to the combination lock and Finn gets out and he makes a run for it. The dog that lives in the house as well, wakes, barks when Finn gets out. He basically wakes the dog by clicking the door. Um, and the grabber goes after him and he catches him on their neighbour's lawn and holds a knife to his throat and says, you be quiet as the neighbour's lights come on. He's like, you say anything, I'm going to gut you here. And then he ends up back in the basement. I was like, oh, man, because I thought, oh, fuck, he's got away. And I was expecting it to go in a different route. But the grabber yeah. caught him like instantly. Like, see, when I was a kid, I was like Captain Garden Hopper. Like, I would have been straight through, like, the back ways. I'd have been in someone's garden. I'd have been jumping fences. And I'd have been I'd have been gone. There was no way he was catching me in that moment, especially at the age Finn's in. No, the, uh, he does get in his van. He does chase him in his van. But, yeah, if you're Garden Hopper... That's what I'm saying. Thing. Like, he's chasing him with his van. At that moment, I'd have just detoured into someone's back way. I'd have been for a few gardens and over a few fences. I'd have been gone. There was no way he was catching me. Yeah, and when we were growing up, I think we probably all evaded at least one kidnapping at one point or another. <laughs> I in, think so, yeah. <laughs> in the hours we were left unattended between 9am and 7pm throughout yeah. the summer holidays, seven days a week. The purposeful chases we used to advocate as kids 
winding up the weird the weird guy in the neighborhood. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. none of us ended up with worse affair than what we actually are in now. <laughs> yeah, so ours was near where we lived there was a big field and there was a farmer with a gun. Yeah, yeah, we had a farmer with a gun there. Was... Yeah, we used to go and annoy him and he used to fire rounds off into the sky. Yeah, that's so bad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> as a parent now as well like I look back at it I think God you do the kind of shit I did when I was like 13, 14 years old God help you yeah it's not no, you can't do it now you just can't no. do it now um, we cut back to Gwen and Gwen's not had a dream in a couple of days now um, and she has a, a crisis of faith and looks up at the sky and goes Jesus what the fuck seriously what the fuck I pray, I do all the things you want. Maybe you're not real. I need to have a dream. I need to find Finn. Uh, Finn is now woken up again by the, uh, woken up as the phone rings again. Um, He opens his eyes and he's like, fuck you. And he picks up the phone. He's like, fuck off and hangs it up. And then it rings and just continuously rings till he picks it up. And when he picks it up, we get uh, the guy who's like the pinball guy and we get a flashback of his, life and he's an asshole on the phone as a ghost trying to help Finn he's still yeah. an asshole um and we get this flashback back to his life and this is where we realize it's one of Gwen's dreams so he's having someone knocks him while he's playing pinball and he basically pins him down and he carves into his arm 7741 yes and we see Gwen follow him out of the arcade into a police car and she gets in the police car with him um, and this is where she hears Finn on the other end of the phone and she sees the house and the house's number is 7741. Yes. Uh, back with Finn. So Pimble Ghost is with him now and giving him all the information because Finn's in that dream as well. So Finn's in the background of where this knife fight argument happened over the pinball machine. Um, and pinball machine guys basically telling Finn, look, you need to get out of here. And he's like, well, I, 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 I need your help. I need you to do this. He's like, look, it's not about you. It's about him. It's not about you. It's all about him. And I was like, okay. And this is where I started going. Why is it about him? Why is it? Surely everyone here has been to help Finn. Why are you not interested in helping Finn? Um, yeah. But, but he does, but gradually he's like, look, some solid advice. Take the top off the toilet. You can use that to smash around the wall, around the corner. And if you smash through at this point, you're going to find the back panel to a fridge and you can climb into that fridge and you can get out. Yeah. And Finn goes for this and he digs the hole and he takes the bits out of the toilet and you get this montage scene where he undoes it and he gets into the fridge and it's full of steaks and he can't get through the doors because the doors are locked and Finn just breaks down in tears. Um, He hears the phone ring. And he picks it up and it's Robin. And I was pleased it was Robin. I was waiting all the way through, like, when's Robin going to call him? I kind of knew he was going to be like the penultimate sort of end game, really. He was going to be the final the final yeah. voice on the phone. Yeah, and, and he's great as well because he's like exactly how he was in life. He's like, look, you've tried this, you've tried that. None of that works. You need to kill this motherfucker. Yeah. Fill, fill the phone up with dirt that you've dug out of the hole. Fill the receiver up. And when he comes in, just smash him in the face with it. Yeah, we get this like montage scene of the two of them sort of like stepping back and forth and smashing. So 
so beautifully in time. Mate, I was like the whole time it was playing, I was like, I've been waiting for so long for someone to come. <laughs> oh, really? See, see, I had Rocky in my head when they were doing it. <laughs> that just shows me and you as a person. I have Dirty Dancing and you're going down the Rocky road. <laughs> I, I've got the I've got uh, Apollo Creed's trainer when he trains Rocky and Rocky 3 going, no pain, no pain, <laughs> no pain. Uh, uh, me singing, I've had the time of my life. <laughs> uh, Robin tells him it's the last call he's going to receive and it's now is the time he needs to stand up for himself. Um, Finn fills the receiver with dirt um, and we get Gwen on the hunt for the house again, wearing George's raincoat from It. Yeah. Cycling around in the rain. Again, man, honestly, this scene. I'm getting sidetracked. But yeah, it's pissing down. It's, it's, yeah. The only thing she's not doing is chasing a paper boat. Yeah, literally the only difference is she's not chasing a paper boat. They look if you put the two side by side, you could put them in the same film. So <laughs> I, I did go and look at my reel. Anyone who's not seen the reel yet, <laughs> go to go and look at his reel. Go, go to you run podcast. <laughs> um, she sees all the ghosts in the street and she falls over, falls off her bike, and she falls over right in front of the house. Uh, I thought she was going to go straight in, but she doesn't. She goes and calls the cops. Yeah. And I thought that was re- very real because a little kid would not go in to save their brother. No, they would... you can see as soon as she stands up and notices a house number, she looks terrified. Yeah. Um, this is the point where Max, this is cocaine Max, uh, he works out that the grabber is his brother. And it kind of all rings true for him as it does for Gwen. Um, and he works out that Finn must be in the basement. Um, cocaine's done wonderful things for Max. He's become super crime fighter uh max goes down to the basement and finds finn and just again, by the way a disclaimer cocaine does not give you fight crime fighting abilities do not try this at home <laughs> uh, and if you do and you get crime fighting abilities please call the show <laughs> cocaine does not make you batman please do not do that <laughs> i'm coke man <laughs> but next week <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, when max finds finn he doesn't go oh quick come on let's get out he's like this is fucking awesome. I found you. Do you want to know how I found you? And Finn's like, no, not fucking really. I want to get out no, of here. No, just get me out of here. <laughs> um, and while he's doing this, you get the grabber buries an axe in his brother's head. And the grabber turns straight to Finn and goes, you made me kill my brother. And Finn's like, what the fuck? I've yeah. done nothing. Uh, the grabber says he'd usually use a knife. Uh, no, he'd usually use the axe, but he's going to use a knife because he wants to take his time. He wants it to hurt. And he brings down the dog and ties the dog against the wall. Again, though, this is another thing that infuriated me. He's like that that whole sort of brief sort of insight. He's like, yeah, usually I'd use an axe. How do you use an axe? What do you do with an axe? Why do you use an axe? Like, fuck, so but, annoying. But there's an element of that. Do you want to see someone do that to a child on screen? I think that's all of where... this could have been done away with a simple exposition between the police in a police station, a five minute conversation explaining his motives, what he does, why he does it. But they it could have been it... all squashed. But they hadn't found any of the bodies. That's the thing. No one knows what he does. Even the police don't know. There's no exposition to give. It's just fucking annoying. Then don't make a film about something you can't provide exposition <laughs> for. <laughs> uh, Finn makes a run for it. And what Finn done earlier is he set up some traps. So the wire that he found earlier, he set a trip wire. As he jumps over the tripwire, the grabber falls into the hole that he dug and snaps his ankle, which is brutal. When he falls in. Yeah, that's rough, isn't it? I felt that. And you see it snap as well. 
it's yeah. and good practical effects but that, that's one really of the only practice. effects in the movie and it, it looks great um the finn's like grabbing at him uh and trying to get a hold of him and finn goes absolutely buck wild with the phone on his face um, yeah, and, he, he's doing so well as well with the uh, step, step back, step, step back, and he and you can see he's done it. I think it's like three or four times where he's hitting that many times across the face. Like you got to fuck up in a minute, you got to yeah. miss a step, and it's going to fail. And he uh, does, and he does. And the timing. grabber gets hold of him, and he pulls the grabber's mask off, and the grabber freaks out completely, like hands over his face, trying to shield himself from Finn. And Again, this is where... another annoying element of this character. And it's like, like why? why? That is so in... it's so infuriating. Because like you have people like Myers. Michael Myers is a perfect example of something like this. In the moments where Myers' mask is removed, he freaks out and cannot kill or or whatever. And his, his sole purpose is to retain the mask again. It's like, why has he got that element? Why has he got that about his character? What is making him need the mask in order to to do this and like it's just such a wasted opportunity man um, when he does freak out Finn does not miss a beat and goes wild with the phone again hitting him in the face multiple times then wrapping the cord around his neck yeah. um, when he does that the phone rings and everyone get all of these spirits of the past get to have their say as he holds the phone to the grabber's ear um, and it ends with Bruce saying Finn's arm is mint and then Finn yanks the cable and snaps the grabber's neck. Brilliant. I Full love cycle. Yeah, and I love the fact they had the balls to kill him. Yeah. And convincing he's dead. No oh, question about no, it. Yeah, he snapped his neck. There's no coming back from that. Um, the cops now have found the basement. So they've gone to the house that Gwen's taken them to. And they've, they've gone in. They've got themselves down to the basement. And all they found is five mounds of dirt and a freshly dug grave, which is for Finn but Finn's not there. And they come out of the house sort of going, what the fuck? And as they come out of the house, Finn comes out of the house like directly opposite. So the grabber's got two houses either side of the street. Yeah. Oh, but another thing as well that you just skipped over is the, the scene where he breaks into the back of the freezer and gets some meat. The meat, the freezer's full of meat. That's one way for him to get past the The dog. dog is a decoy. So, like, the phone call was relevant. About yeah, so, so every, every clue he got all the way through kind of all come together. And, yeah, the meat, he takes a steak and feeds it to the dog to escape. Yeah, and I'm only drawing attention to it because it's absolute bollocks and I need it to be, <laughs> I need it to, I need it to be mentioned for my roundup. <laughs> um, the moment when Gwen sees Finn is fabulous acting from both these child actors. Is That scene is brilliant and... Yeah really emotional you could feel both of them have kind of gone like Gwen's like fuck I thought you would do it dead and Finn's like I thought I was dead and I that scene I thought is the most impactful in the movie um I'm hoping the events change their dad because you get a scene where he is like sat at the ambulance and he's crying and he's begging for their forgiveness and basically saying that he's going to be better um when Finn goes back to school um, which I don't think he would because I think he'd be on trial for some sort of manslaughter charge for killing the grabber. Would you, though? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it would. I don't I, think you would in that situation. I, I think Finn's argument was it was in self-defence. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And he's a kid as well. So, like, the police are obviously going to be like, this kid's just survived this. He's a survivor, let's be honest. Yeah, I, I think it would be one of those of 
And when we arrived, the grabber was already dead. Yeah. We don't know how he died. No, there was no fingerprints on that wire. What wire? <laughs> yeah. So I just <laughs> want to come back again. You mentioned earlier that you had some sort of justification as to the dad's redeeming arcs. Like, have we skipped over that? Or is, no, where so is... the, the dad's redeeming arc, I think, I don't think he's got a full redeeming arc, but I think the belt comes full circle. So the belt, they used the belt early on and they showed the dad use it. And they done that purely as a tool to show you that they're willing to show it, which is what made when the grabber was sat with his belt, what made that scarier? If you hadn't seen the dad beat the shit out of someone with the belt, when you saw the grabber sat there as daddy holding the belt, you wouldn't be as bothered because you'd be like, he's got a belt. Who cares? All right. OK, I see what you mean. So there is no actual redeeming qualities for bothered no, than his, his the, moment the, of pity forgiveness at the end that, yeah that's all you get and i i don't think i don't think in a real life scenario this would be enough to bring him back on a level no which which is sad but well we'll skip past that because that is sad i'm going to move on um, <laughs> finn goes back to school and finn is now king of the school as he's walking in you've got all the kids whispering going that's the kid who killed the grabber. <laughs> There's like all these rumors. Guess like I heard he shot him. I heard he stabbed him. I heard he decapitated him with an axe. It's like, <laughs> fucking great. Uh, he walks in. He sits down in science next to the girl he likes. She's like, "Hi, Finny." He's like, "Call me Finn." Credits roll. What a guy. What a lad. Yeah. Um, I've got an interesting take on this, and Mark's going to have a very interesting take on this movie. Um, what I want you... you to go first. Okay. Uh, what do you think of this movie? Let's find out first. Well, I think it's time for three-word review. Yeehaw! Uh, Skellington fan of Skelly, the person who picked this this movie for us. Uh, Gwen is kick-ass. Uh, Frightmare Collective. Don't help strangers. They're a horror podcast. Uh, and that Michael... is not just a lesson to live by from this film. That is a life lesson. <laughs> that is a life lesson. Uh, Michael in Woodsboro. Ethan Hawke slays. That's a horror account. Uh, King Book Collector. Dead versus Nutcase. And they collect Stephen King books. Uh, Bob in for Pumpkins. It could happen. Um, and they're a Halloween account. Um, and it did happen. So when we get to facts, I'm going to tell you all about all of the real life events that they portrayed in this movie. And there are a lot. Uh, Creature Pod, uh, that's Chunky Larry, Gold Kids Table Podcast. Arm is Mint, uh, one enthusiastic horror fan official, better than expected. Um, and then we've got RK Muse, the writer. The phone is black. Um, they used four words, but I'm going to let that go because it just made me chuckle. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, quite anxious now. Why? Because it seems like everybody liked this film apart from me. Scott Derrickson made this his next project after leaving Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Was um, he originally penned to do that, was he? He was directing it. He wasn't penned to do it. He was, he'd started. They were in production. Um, he had a falling out with Marvel, um, citing creative differences rumoured that the creative differences were they wouldn't let him take it in the horror direction he wanted to. Oh, really? And then they gave it to Sam Raimi and let Sam say... Raimi take it wherever the hell he wanted. <laughs> um, the grabber uses black balloons to abduct his vi victims. Um, 
so this is reminiscent of the painting that the daughter does on the bedroom wall in Sinister 2012, which was also directed by Scott Derrickson and also starred Ethan Hawke. Um, ah, interesting. So you know the wall where the phone is? Yeah. You know you've got like that water damage across the wall? Yeah. That is the cover from Sinister. Oh, really? Yeah, if you take the phone away, it is Sinister. Oh, that's cool. Which I thought was really, really cool. Um, the, gravi- uh, the grabber wears a stovepipe hat to abduct children uh, walking home for a baseball cap. Um, it's exactly the same hat as worn by Rose the Hat in Doctor Sleep, uh, written by Joe Hill's father, Stephen King. Uh, <laughs> the grab and go uh, in the movie uh, is called Ellison, uh, which is also the name of Ethan Hawke's character in Sinister. Uh, the grabber is based on real life serial killers. So serial killers inspired this. And I noticed this when I watched it because we, we've got the true crime podcast. So let's be honest, but there's not a lot that's original about this entire film. But yeah, No, so it... Ted Bundy, uh, the, the dark van, uh, John Wayne Gacy, uh, abducting small boys. And in the original story, this character is a clown, not not a magician. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer um, and the things they took from Jeffrey Dahmer was the police being so incompetent and being in the right place and not knowing. And in, in the actual case of Jeffrey Dahmer, they actually gave one of his victims who escaped back to him. Yeah. Um, you've also got um, Ted Bundy as well, who would use the like lure his victims into a car by dropping things. So he used to drop things and then have a fake cast on and ask for help. And that's how he'd get victims into the car, which is exactly the same as they've done in this. Yeah. Um, the opening scene in 1978 shows um, a cause pull tab. So you see, you know, when you get that montage and you see all the things from the 70s, yeah. um, you see a cause can have a pull tab on it. Um, they didn't have a pull tab in 1978. They had a two hole push system to open them. So it's a factual error. Um Near the end, Gwen is riding her bike through the rain. Uh, she's wearing a, a coat identical to Georgie. Um, again, taking inspiration from it. Uh, the grubber, the grubber, the grabber's brother, Max, <laughs> the grubber, uh, is played by James Ransom, uh, who played an old, older version of Eddie Kasparak in It Chapter Two. I knew I recognised that guy. And I was like, <laughs> I really like you as an actor. And I can't think for the life of me where I know you from. It's when you said it earlier, I was like, I'm not saying it now. <laughs> um, I kept saying the masks are cool and they really are cool want to take a guess who designed them uh, Tom Savini yeah 100% spot on is it really yeah Tom Savini Tom Savini is your go to guy if you want a cool mask you go to Tom Savini oh, 100% a coolest fact to this is not about the movie so when Jason Blum <laughs> that sounds relevant <laughs> uh, so when Jason Blum um, agreed to do this movie um, he sent Derrickson a black phone in a display case after reading the script and giving it a green light. Um, Derrickson moved into a new house in 2021 when this went into production and Blum secretly had a black phone mounted on the wall of his new basement. He sat, so Derrickson was sat in his living room and the phone was ringing in his basement and he went downstairs to discover a black phone on the wall answered it and it was jason blum on the other line and that's how they planned this entire movie that's pretty cool that's seriously cool also a little bit creepy but like (laughs) 
Uh, I, I, cool. I thought it was a. Could you imagine being the director of this and you, you've, you're working on this script that you've got from a book that's a black phone in the basement? You hear a phone ring and go downstairs. That moment of fuck, there's a black phone on my wall must have been brilliant. Yeah. Also, it, imagine having that much money that you could orchestrate something like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not being funny. I couldn't orchestrate getting like a phone book to you, let alone a black phone on your wall. <laughs> Do people still use phone books? I don't know. Is the Yellow Pages still a thing? No, I haven't had one in years. Yeah, because they used to be really... I remember when they changed them and they made them, like, super, super thin. Yeah. So they were really thick, and then they become really thin. Yeah. Yeah, like, almost, like, condensed and smaller. But you still used to get them on your doorstep, like, every year. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I can't even remember when that stopped. No, I can't. Um, speaking of calls and strange calls, we've had multiple calls this week, and I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want a call that hates you, a call that hates me, or a call that hates both of us? Those are your options this week. <laughs> we're going to play all three, but which one do you want first? I feel like we're so used to having the calls that hate me, so let's just go with that one first, shall we? Okay, right. So here's the call that hates you. Let me check if I've got my volume turned up. I was terribly offended by his predator comments. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you, you, do you want to justify your predator comments saying it's not a um, not a horror movie again? No, no. I stand by everything I say on this podcast, whether it be this episode, the predator episode, or any episode that comes before or after. The predator is an action movie. Do you want to address who that caller was? That caller was Gareth from Video Tasties. And I knew, I knew when I was speaking the words on that episode, I was like, ah, oh, I'm fully taking down the horror, uh, the action genre as a whole. And I know how disheartened Gareth's going to be by my comments. Well, I just I, went with it anyway. I think, I think Cancel Mark was tame compared to what he could have said to you. <laughs> um, how about a little bit of hate for me? Because we don't get that. I don't get hate very often. I'm a little bit upset that I've got some hate, but we'll we'll play it anyway. You deserve more. And in a stunning turn of events, the debate of what is the best shark horror movie is decided by Scott's rules. Since Jaws is rated PG, it is not considered horror. The other is Poltergeist. Long live the champion, Deep Blue Sea. I mean, I I like I like where this guy is going. That's Eric, isn't it? That is Eric. Yeah, Eric. I I applaud your bold statements, but Jaws is actually a twelve. Yeah, reclassified. Uh, it was reclassified in ninety nine, I think. It's reclassified in the US and the UK, so no longer a PG. Had this movie, had this show been going in nineteen seventy something when Jaws came out, nineteen seventy five. Um, yes, you 100% could have helped me to that, but <laughs> it's been reclassified really since, so I'm I'm slithering out of that. It's still a horror movie and the best yeah. shark movie. And as much as it pains me to say this, I have to agree with you on that one. And you know what is so strange? Speaking of this right now, I watched Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, the other day. The first... Alrighty then. If ever, if ever there is a film that needs reclassifying, it is that. That is a dark, dark film, that first one. Yeah, the second one's really dark as well. The second, yeah, but the second one's a lot more slapstick and like height. But that first one is like a 
proper full-on murder investigation. It, it, isn't there like a dolphin... Sexual innuendos. Yeah, isn't there like a right dolphin... Isn't there a dolphin rape scene in the first one? A dolphin rapes someone. I'm oh, sure no, there I, is. I only made it like... Two, I watched it just come on Netflix. I watched like two-thirds of it before I went to bed. So maybe the rape, the dolphin rape happens at the end. But there's a scene in particular where they're talking about Dan Marino and Dan Marino cost on this kicker. Um, I can't remember what the name of the kicker is now. He turns out to be the transvestite police officer at the end. Um, but there's a scene where they go back to... Transsexual, I think. Are they? I don't think they're trans... They were tra- called transvestites when that movie came out. I think it's transsexual now. Let's keep it PC. Is that correct? Is that the correct terminology? I think so. I think so. If not, someone correct me, please. Someone correct we, me. We, we, no we, we mean no offence. Anyway, continue. Yeah, because it's still a man at the end of the film. They're just yes. dressed as a woman. So yes. is that... I Sorry know. for causing any offence to any gender. I don't know. Or, uh, yeah, I'm going to stop talking right now. So anyway, the point is, they go to a particular scene where Don, Don Marino has obviously cost this guy the kicker. Something to do with laces out. But they walk into his parents' house and the entire room is like sprayed with like blood and it's like laces out, laces out, laces out everywhere. And man, yeah. it, honestly, it's fucking horrifying. I would not, I would not let my child watch that film. But I used to watch that film daily growing up as a kid. That explains a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a dark, dark film. I can't. Honestly, I was so blown away by how dark that film actually is when I was watching it as an adult. I was like, surely to God, this is like a fifteen at least. No, it's a PG. Hmm. Um, last caller. Brace yourself. This is a long call. So, thank you for the shout-out, per usual. And I'm so glad that you figured out how to speak and say stuff the right way. So proud of you guys. So proud of you guys. (laughs) But I wanted to also add, I I don't know who called in asking to do Twilight, but yeah, you go, girl, because we're fucking doing that movie anyways when I come back. So I want to go ahead and count this call in as the last two votes that you need in order to get Twilight on the show. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I fucking watch all four of them. I don't care. I ain't scared. I ain't doing nothing. Just sitting at home, chilling with my friend Campbell, my new baby. I got plenty of time. So anyways, you guys, we're going to do Twilight. And that's about it. I don't know what else to say, except for love y'all. And Mark, you need to bring back movie quotes. Bye. She says that like she hasn't been doing anything other than watching Twilight on repeat with her maternity leave. Ah, <laughs> oh, I'll watch it. I got not better. Do I watch it? I watch that shit all day long. So like, you have been watching that shit all day long, Heather. We know what you're doing. So <laughs> Twilight is going to happen at some point. Uh, if you is go that to the, the final vote, we need it. Yeah. Heather classed her vote and Campbell's vote as the final two. <laughs> uh, the old enough to cast a vote. Do we have an age written on this? There's, there's no age. It, it, it's, um, it, uh, I don't know ca- why I'm arguing this. I no, want to it, see Heather on Twilight. <laughs> it, it would be classified R in the States, which means anyone can watch it as long as a parent says it's okay. So if Heather lets Campbell listen, not being funny, Campbell's been listening in the womb to this show for the last 10 months. Uh, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Twilight is going to happen if you want to find out when before Mark knows and before Heather knows if you go to the com, you can view our schedule and you will see when Twilight is going to happen we've got a date in for it already um, I'm going to start roundups this week because Mark wants me to go first because Mark do. wants to have the final word um, I like it I enjoy it 
there is nothing paranormal or supernatural in this movie whatsoever. Um, this is why I wanted you to go first, because I knew you had some sort of justification, and I wanted to know whether what your opinion is in this moment was going to twist my overall expectations of the film. So I'll let so, you shine yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> red rum, red rum. Um, I don't think there's anything paranormal. So let me deal with Finn and the phone first. That phone is not fucking ringing. There is no one on the end of that. Finn had interactions with all of these children. Finn is in a dark place where he's all alone and he's discovering things for himself. So he's discovering the padlock code on the wall. He's discovering the floors loose. He's discovering the cable and it's the memories of these people. They're not telling him. It's Finn talking to himself in his head while holding the phone to keep himself sane. I don't think there are ghosts talking to him and I don't think he's seeing ghosts. He's seeing things in his head. This is a child, not an adult. This is someone who's suffering with the situation and they're dealing with it in a way internally processing it as a child would. They're talking to the friends they know they've lost to the grabber and he discovers the cable and then he imagines talking to his friend who tells him where it is. That's what I think happens there. With Gwen, Gwen does not shine. And I'm going to have a real hot take now. I think Gwen is a former victim of the grabber who he let go. So he let Gwen go because Gwen was not a little boy, which is how she remembers where the house is, which is how she knows everything she knows. I think the grabber took her to the house and let her go. And I think that happened when she was a little bit younger. And that's what I take from this. I don't take any of the paranormal stuff. I see all the stuff that is referenced from Stephen King. This movie needs a prequel to fill in the gaps. Um, I'd take a prequel of this. I enjoyed it. It's not the best movie in the world. It's got lots of plot holes that need filling, either with a prequel or a sequel. I don't think a sequel would work, but a prequel. Um, I've got nothing really to critique. I, I enjoyed it. I could sit and watch it again. I've watched it twice. I'd quite happily watch it a third time. Um, it's 8 out of 10 for me. <laughs> what, what does that mean? You done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Right, should, should, shall, I, shall I get comfy? Am I going to be here a while? <laughs> Probably. You know how I get. Cut me off at any point. If it starts getting out of hand, just let me know. Um, right, if you right. stop there. <laughs> no i so i'm going to start by counteracting what you have said um first of all i get what you're saying and i i kind of like the idea of you saying that Finn never experienced anything that there was no fun to start with like they, these were these were him trapped alone him scared him on his own makes perfect sense yeah. Logically, you could have quite easily tied that up at the end with the final scene just being a, can, a scan around the basement and then there'd be no phone on the wall. You just focus into where the phone has been throughout this entire film, but you focus onto a blank wall. Yeah. Perfect. Boom. My mind would have gone, yes. It was him. It was his, his way of dealing with the traumatic situation he was in. That would have been perfect and I would have bought into that. Do you know why I'm not buying into it? It's because you've got Gwen doing the same thing at a completely different side of town. 
it doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's too many elements conflicting against one another. The fact that Finn was in there on his own and he could have put that down to his traumatic way of dealing with the situation he's found himself in it would have been perfect. I would have bought into that perfectly. It would have worked. But the fact that Gwen, even the fact that you're trying to turn around and say that Gwen was a victim of the grabber and she wasn't experiencing anything, makes no relevant sense to the fact that he's then saying, the dad is turning around to Gwen and saying, your mother had these visions, your mother had these problems, she had the same issues as you did. That just contradicts all the things you've just said about the fact that Gwen was not having these visions because they're saying... She is having the visions, but they're not visions, they're memories. So what, her mum was a victim of the grabber too? No, her mum just had mental health issues and should have been treated for mental health issues and not just left alone. But it was the 70s, that didn't happen. So so there's always a writer for this film. So... There is too much in this film for me to be able to walk away from it and feel satisfied by the plethora of unanswered questions and undeveloped plot points. I'm going to start. I haven't even started yet. I'm going to start with. <laughs> I'm going to start with the positives, and I think this film is shot very, very, very well. I think the cinematography is great. I think everything looks aesthetically pleasing to an audience to watch this film. I think the casting is great. I think everybody does a phenomenal job in the roles that they're playing and fulfilling. I feel even Hawk's character is very underutilized. Um, I feel like anybody could have done what he had done in this role, um, which is a shame because I like Ethan Hawke and I feel like given the chance to shine, he could have done something really, really clever with this. I love the mask. I love what Tom Savini's done with this mask. I didn't know it was Savini up until facts, but now we talk about it, it's obviously Savini. He was just shadowed by the fact that he was behind the mask. Yeah. Which is a shame because Ethan Hawke is a phenomenal character actor. and he He could have taken this to a much darker and a much more creative place had he not been restricted by by being behind a mask for so much of this film um and again that just kind of it just kind of brings me back to the writing surrounding his character there could have been moments where he went down to the basement and he had the mask on and he was dealing with thin and you talk about having maybe different personas and different emotions for the mask as he comes in to see Finn and a happy emotion and a sad emotion. That would have been beautiful. And then we'd have had cut scenes from there where we see him upstairs dealing with his brother. Yeah. Uh, I've seen where the police figure out that that's his house and they take him in for questioning. Yeah. It would have been more interesting had they focused it on the grabber, not on Finn. On Finn, yeah, and, and I feel like that's the biggest failing of this film is like the ga- the grabber is the central focus, or at least it should have been. The, the grabber should have been the central focus to the point of this film. We should have had uh, a motive, a reasoning behind why he was doing what he was doing. It's almost like they tried to go for this Michael Myers mystique about him, but there was no just general slashing. They tried to fill it out like it was a true crime story, but they're not filling in the blanks to justify why it was this kind of story. It, it just, there was too much about it that didn't make sense in order to, to get a cohesive story. In my yeah. opinion, personally, like I'm not taking any way thing away. Cause I had, I, I enjoyed my experience with the film. Like it looked great. The acting was great. It, it, there's nothing separating the fact that this is great filmmaking at its finest it looks visually phenomenal but it's there's just too many failings with the writing of this film and i'm only so furious about it because it shows such great potential this could have been something phenomenal had had it been written 
in the right way because the director did a great job. The cast did a great job. Even the score was fantastic to this film. The lighting department made everything down in that basement look gritty and feel raw. It just missed that key element with its storytelling. There was just so much that was left underutilized that should have been the central focus that wasn't. And for me, that's what ultimately cost this film the rating it should have got. Yeah. I Would you... Do you think you would have... Because you, you do weird things in horror movies. Would you have ended up playing Naughty Boy? Would you have gone up the stairs and tried to escape? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was fucked. I was getting yeah. whipped to death with that belt. Oh, well, who knows? Who knows what uh, a fucking Naughty Boy is? Because it doesn't that, tell us. That's kind of why I brought it up, because I forgot to explain <laughs> what I think it is. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, sure, sure. explain to me what your Naughty Boy is. So, Naughty Boy, when when the boys talk to Finn, they say that if you go up the stairs, he's going to whip you, and then you're going to, he's going to get to do the bit he loves the most. I think what happens is he beats the boys. He then, I think he then either has his way with them or he beats them to death. And kills them, and that's how he gets his sexual gratification. But I think there's a sexual element to it, and I think that's why they left it out. I think that's what the extra bit, the bit that he does after, when they play Naughty Boy, you're the Naughty Boy, and now you get the punishment, and it's the bit that comes after the punishment that's the bad bit. I think that's what they were implying and just didn't want to fully commit to he's a pedo. I think it was the the lack of commitment to go that extra step because they knew people would instantly go, oh, fuck, that's awful. I think it was... that, though, it wasn't just that one element to me that that was the failings. Like, there's so much other stuff surrounding it that that just felt lacking, lacking in in content. It was just... There was just so many missed opportunities with this, and it's a shame. It really is a shame because I, I genuinely liked it, and I liked everything that was building towards something that I thought was going to be probably one of the standouts of the year. I know I'm late to this. I know this was last year, but I'm just saying, like, had I seen this when released in 2022, I'd have been sat there for the first 45 minutes of this film being like, this is movie of the year. Yeah. But it just didn't execute it well enough by the time the credit rolls, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think it got lost. We had a lot of good horror movies released last year, and I think this kind of just got lost in the mix for me because I didn't see it last year either. No, and I the only reason I didn't see it is due to the mixed responses to it, and and it was one of them where you like people are so it was so fucking contrasting where there were so many people being like this is the best film of the year, and at the same time there were so many people being like this is the worst thing I've seen. And I knew I was going to find myself one way or the other with it. And I was just like, ah, it looks cool. I'm just going to live in the knowledge that it looks cool. And just eventually it will come under my radar and I'll make my opinion of it when it comes that way. But there's just too many conflicting elements for me to justify paying 15 quid at the cinema right now to go and see it. Um, So, and again, I'm one of those people where if someone tells me everything's great, I'm purposefully be like, yeah, I'm not watching that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you know what I mean you know what I mean though, don't you? I, I, if, like, I a song, well. if a song comes out I'm like, yeah this is the best song ever I'm like yeah it's fucking not though is it yeah or, or I'll do the my favourite is that's alright 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then really when I'm at home, I'm like bopping along to it. <laughs> yeah, like this is the best thing ever, but I'm never ever gonna tell anyone that it is. <laughs> exactly. And this came out with a lot of hype and justifiably so. There's a lot here to love. There's a lot of great elements about this film. It's just the more I think as well, I think time has been a bigger factor to this film because my my score for this had we recorded this last Friday when I watched it on the Wednesday, I don't, I, I even messaged you. I was like, the more I sit on this film, the more I hate it. Yeah. And that's what I said to you. And I was like, if, if we, we, like I said, we watch these on Wednesday and then usually Thursday goes by to contemplate. And then we record Friday night. Obviously I was ill last Friday. So I've had like a week and a half to sit on this film. And the longer I've sat on it, the more the plot points and the, the loopholes and, and, and the, underperformance of the writing has come apparent to me and I just I fucking really don't like it and, and I like I like it even less because I know what it could have been I'm curious now what would you have scored it last Friday last Friday I would have probably scored this a three out of five okay and then fast forward to this Friday what's it getting it's a two out of five wow Mark that is the worst take ever wow that's and the, the, the two out of five purely goes to directing, cinema, photography and acting. And that is it. Story-wise, wow. I fucking, I could pull this apart all day long. Doinks, Mark, that is like the worst take ever, man. Oh, I think I'll listen. I could literally gonna... pull this apart all day long. Just And it's infuriating. That's what's annoying me is because it's so infuriatingly good in so many other ways. And all it would have taken was a couple of five-minute scenes. And for a film that's an hour and 47 minutes long, there is so much of this film that could have been cut to make way for those exposition, the necessary, absolutely necessary exposition scenes. You could have cut 15 minutes from this movie and it wouldn't have made a blind bit of difference to the outcome of the movie or how it run. No, and those 15 minutes would have paved the way perfectly for a few vital scenes that would have taken this from bang average to contender for the best horror film of the year yeah I mean, and they I, don't I, even need to be necessarily like graphic or action scenes these are just i'm talking conversational pieces between the grabber and the police or the police and the police in an office talking about his past crimes or what they think their motive is or justification a simple 10 second scene showing that there was no phone there in the basement to start with there's just so many things here that could have been done which would have turned this from Blumhouse to the best day 24 has produced. Yeah, but it was made by Blumhouse, so you got Blumhouse, I'm afraid. Exactly, exactly. And it's <laughs> a shame because it showed a 24 quality in months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you disagree with Mark, don't forget it's at MW underscore horror underscore reviews. <laughs> Do not come at me. Go straight to Mark. Um, you can buy the black phone everywhere. You can rent it. You can't rent it anywhere free in the UK. It's not free in the UK and you can't rent it. You need to buy it. Um, let's move on to anagrams. Um, you've been called out on the accuracy of your anagrams, Mr. Why? Mark. Um, so your anagram last week, um, the solution to that anagram was the Candyman. I had lots of people message me and said, the Candyman is not a horror movie. How is it the Candyman? How is it the Candyman, Mark? Who are these people? I'm not going to name them, but they are the the top five contenders all ask the question, how is this the Candyman? What horror movie is that? I've not seen that. Is that a new one? 
No, it is Candyman, the film Candyman, but it's the Candyman from Candyman. There is no rules that stipulate whether this has to be horror film-centric. I could turn around and use the anagram of Pinhead and not Hellraiser, or I could uh, use okay. the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers. There's no uh, ruling okay. against what film it's from. I haven't said it always has to be the title of the film. These are just horror-related anagrams. Okay. And that week happened to be the Candyman from Candyman. Okay. So what you're saying is you just neglected to tell everyone the rules at the beginning and now you're moving the goalposts to suit your... <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily. Not necessarily. This is a horror movie podcast. We're talking horror general scope. I, do, I know what you're saying. I get I get yeah. what you're saying. Okay. So listeners, just to be clear... I need to wear my way out of it and this yeah, is where just, I'm choosing to go. Just to be clear, listeners, you could get anything from a character in a movie to a prop in a movie to the title of the movie to the city the movie was made. Have fun. Of course. I mean, if I <laughs> if I turn around and one one week when we was like, Ghostface was the anagram, you're not going to turn around to me and say, oh, Ghostface, that's not a film. Oh, this is very true. This is very true. Okay, I... I'm going to side with Mark on this, which is rare. I'm going to back you up. Um, yeah, the <laughs> Candyman is, is a character in Candyman. Um, yeah. What is this week's anagram? Fuck it, oh, I feel I feel quite quite attacked now. To be the, honest with you, I guess. You, you you've been attacked twice tonight. They, they they've got it dry on you again. <laughs> oh, that's a concept nobody likes to hear out loud. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this week's anagram is aquatic peel and that is spelled a-q-u-a-t-i-c-p-e-e-l aquatic peel if that's got nothing to do with jordan peel i'm going to be so upset <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way i'm not choosing director's names <laughs> okay <laughs> um so make sure you enter the anagram there'll be on our instagram story a place for you to to answer it uh, we've still got some clear winners, but we've got some people who are right on their heels. And if one of those clear winners slips up on one week, there's going to be some changes at the top. Um, we are back on Friday uh, with Horror Movie News, uh, where we cover Horror Movie News. And we are back next week with a brand new release that I honestly is the most excited I've been about an episode forever. We get to cover Cocaine Bear. Yes. I'm excited for this. I, I'm... <laughs> From what I've seen trailer-wise and just I, – I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't expect good things from this at all. No. So when it's when we're recording this, it's been, it's been released in the States. Um, it had, after 24 hours, it had 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw it and I was like, I'm so much more excited now. It done, it's got a better rating on Rotten Tomatoes than the latest Marvel movie by, like, 45%. That's incredible. <laughs> I so, wish you all the best as well. And Elizabeth Banks is the director of this. I think it's fantastic. So I, I hope uh, all the luck in the world with this film. I hope it, it does really, really well. It could be movie of the year contender for me, I think. I, I think I'm going to enjoy it. I'm a big fan of creature features, so I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm also a big fan of, like, stupid Seth Rogen stoner comedies when the mood yeah. takes me. So I think I think this could fall right into my wheelhouse. Yeah, I, and mine as well. Um, Heather asked earlier um, for you to bring back your movie quote. And to remind everyone, this is where Mark gives a movie quote from a movie, and you all have to guess what it is. 
But um, nobody played. Yeah, no, literally nobody played when we've done this before. So we're going to try it again once. Have you, if you've got, have you got a movie quote still? Have you still got them all in your notes? Um, let me see. If I've got one from before. I got fucking cancelled. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, I've got one. I can, I can, okay. I can sign off with one. Okay, so we're, we're going to try it again. I'm going to put a thing up on my story. If I don't get enough people to reply to it, we're going to retire this bit forever. So, so Mark, how many is enough people? Well, I suppose based on previous events, one is enough. One, one is enough. That will get the ball rolling. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally last time uh, I, put it, I put it up on my story and hundreds of views and not a single person cared. <laughs> I'm just very grateful people are playing my anagram game. Thank you. I know I moan, but thank you. <laughs> uh, so hit us with a movie quote. <clears throat> okay. Uh, tonight, and possibly the last ever movie quote on the Euron podcast is, I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope. What a great movie quote from a really great movie. And if no one gets that, I'm going to say something because I'll be annoyed. And by the way, these movie quotes are not just general quotes. These are the final closing quotes of a film. These are like the sign off of a movie. Yeah. They're not just a random, what's your favorite scary movie? These have to be the sign off quotes of a film. So these yeah. are like the closing quote before the credits. So that is this evening's and potentially the last ever one. Yeah, so all play along, and I'll put that on our story on Monday. Um, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to go and give us a review on Apple and Spotify and wherever else you can. Uh, go to our shop and buy a T-shirt. Uh, there's a We're going on a fucking adventure T-shirt for Mark. Um, there's there's also now, as, as of when this episode is released, there's also a Team Buffy T-shirt that is now available too. Um, uh, I, I, I refrain from putting as endorsed by MW Horror Reviews on it. I just put as endorsed by Mark. <laughs> if i see you wearing that i will shoot you i i'm gonna wear it next time we meet up i'm just gonna have a t-shirt that says mark loves buffy <laughs> uh, thank you all very much for listening and we will catch you all on friday cheers guys we'll see you next week or this week on friday but if you don't listen to us we'll see you next week you made that hard work <laughs> yeah i think i'm done yeah I okay you, sh- right. you sure <laughs> yeah i'm done i'm done i'm done okay i'm gonna just end it with Daddy. (laughs) Why would you do that? Before you forget, you want to die tonight? The cheaper, nastier, the better for me. Would you have stayed after this? Sorry, man, I was completely off guard there. He's in his coffin. He's the undead. This was the best day of the film. This is not the last time someone's going to steal your man. Yeah, Mark's not a nice guy. He didn't notice this scene. It looks like he's got an extra leg. Yeah, I've got nothing. I've literally got nothing here. Surely that'd be even worse. More listeners we have, the worse that's going to be. Yeah, but I would just get a new phone. Oh, I tell a lie, actually. Yeah, because we used to have um, Teletext. Art the Clown makes Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees look like pussies. I can only assume that this was due to budgetary reasons and they couldn't afford enough extras. Are you going to have Buster Rhymes in your list of characters? Mate, I can't believe you don't know Idle Hands. I'm gonna ram my foot down his fucking throat. <laughs> it was awesome. It fucking wasn't <laughs> awesome!